Hello and welcome to the UK Flying Podcast. This podcast is run and produced by Cochrane Co. Now, if you're not sure what Cochrane Co do, we run training courses and mentoring for businesses in the flooring industry from £100,000 turnover all the way up to £5 million. We also do retail consultancy and product sourcing and we work with some of the top and leading manufacturers to make sure you get the right price and the right product on time every time. Now sit back, enjoy the show. Don't forget to hit any subscribe buttons, follow buttons on social media and on the platform you're listening to. Enjoy the show, give us feedback and we love that you're taking the time to listen to the show. Right, James, welcome to the UK Flying Podcast. I know you're so excited to get going on this. Um, so first of all, putting flooring, putting all that type of stuff to one side, who's James Hagen? James Hagen is a 44-year-old father of two, husband to one, and a dog owner. Brilliant. And whereabouts in the country? We are in North Buckinghamshire, in Buckingham, just short of Bicester. Brilliant. Uh, Favourite hobbies or things to do outside of flooring? Dog walking, the usual, spending time with the family. Um, I used to play rugby, so that was a um, a great, great thing to do at the weekends and stress reliever. And how did you fall into flooring and when did you uh, get into flooring? So I fell into flooring in... 1997 i just finished college i did catering at college um it was the summer holidays my next door neighbor who was my godfather and his son owned a commercial contract flooring company and i went to work with them through the summer and stayed okay and so how long were you there uh we i was there till around 2002 so about five years. Okay. And then what happened in 2002? Um, I decided I know best and I can go out on my own, <laughs> which I didn't. So I went out like most young, early 20-year-olds with a van, went to work for the likes of Carpet Right, then went on to courts that no longer uh, trade, and then on to John Lewis. Okay. And so you were subbing for most of the most of the time, yeah, we subbed for uh, for for those and some general contractors still in the commercial world, laying carpet tiles and outro, etc. Before I decided to open my first shop in two thousand and four, I think okay. it was. And, and how did that work out? Badly. <laughs> uh, again, young, naive, thinking I know everything. Um, I turned a good profit around the year before, so I thought, why not open a shop? I could increase my revenue. Um, but what I didn't know is how to run a business. I had no idea. A man in a van is easy to a certain extent. Um, and working for other clients who are giving you the work is easy. But to open a shop, have staff, had my brother working for me. Um, it, it's a whole different minefield. And so do you close the shop and went back to what, the, the so sort of we, subbing or? So we closed the shop, uh, the recession hit. We did insurance work as well, and that changed the way they were 
um, producing the workout. So we lost out on some contracts. So we folded the business. Um, and then, no, I didn't. I took some time out of flooring. I went to work in the insurance world because we right. had insurance contracts. So one of the guys pulled me in and I went to work with them as a technical manager, if you like, and then um, ended up working for Aviva Insurance and did that for about five years before we were all made redundant. So I decided to go back into the flooring world. Um, I split up with my first wife, met my second wife, and she could see the passion every time I spoke about what I used to do because she didn't know I did that when she met me. So um, so she gave me that opportunity to, to go out and do it again. But were you walking into restaurants like on those first dates saying, have you seen the flooring in here? So we all look down. <laughs> so we all look down wherever we go. It's the first thing we do. So, yeah, and pointing at the houses and the... And the I've done that one. I've done work in that one. Yeah, we've all done it and we still do it. Yeah. So, yeah. Love it. So what's the landscape look like now? What what what's um how's this year been and what do you think next year is gonna look like for you guys? So yeah, this this year's been great. It's been a really busy year, still is. Um year on year we're we're increasing our turnover, increasing our staff. Um there was one, now there's four. Um we are got our first warehouse, which we'll have the keys to just over the Christmas period, beginning of January, um, which we hope to then open an appointment-only showroom in that warehouse that has a mezzanine floor built and designed for it. So um, why not? And then we have can open up some more accounts and stuff. But, um, yeah, next year looks just as good as this year so far. Okay. And why do you think you're wanting to get that sort of, I mean, apart from what, um, getting the accounts, which some will only open when you've got bricks and mortar. Challenge we've touched on the podcast before. Um, apart from that, why, why, why a second time? What's why a second time bricks so, and mortar? Yeah. Um, I've learned a lot from twenty years ago of um, running a business and taking slow steps instead of trying to run before you can walk. Um. It's taken me seven years to get to this decision. And it just, it's the next step. Most of my work is insurance. Um, so we don't really depend on the um, domestic side. But it's a nice thing to have. We have our clients anyway, and, and the domestic clients we do have, do ask, where's your showroom? And when we say, we don't have one, but we can bring all the samples to you, um, the outfit we're trying to portray is not the outfit that we are, if that makes sense. We want, you know, our insurance clients are quite high end. So to turn up in a van, it's all sign written and looks lovely. Um, but digging out samples that have been being dragged around and sliding around in the back of the van is not yeah. as nice as if they say, well, just come into our showroom and have a look. Yeah. And since you've been in the flooring industry as a whole, what do you think the biggest challenge you faced, um, apart from having to, you know, aesthetically lear learn the hardware, but what do you think outside of your control ha has hindered that? And what's the biggest, biggest issue with it? 
my biggest issue in our world is accounts. And it's a bizarre one because you can't have a certain account with someone because matey down the shop down the road has a shop and he has an account. And I get that you spend X amount on stands and stuff. But when you're in the insurance world, you're kind of in the middle between commercial and domestic. So my biggest thing is 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 accounts. Um and the people that we love to have accounts with that won't touch us. We obviously buy through a middleman, but yet we're still doing hundred odd meters a month with them. Yeah. So it's quite ironic. But yeah, that's my difficulty I have in our in our world is getting the accounts open and and trying to deliver for my clients. I suppose you and you've got to be competitive the insurance companies um on certain products, but then you can't be well not you can be, but but it's smashing your margin, then yes, that's a really fair point. Yeah, Obviously we'll that increase be- our margin, which, you know, doesn't always look favorable to us because they might have another quote somewhere else and they're like, Well, that's a lot cheaper, you know? So Yeah. yeah. So what is your core two product? We have, obviously, we don't have an accounts with Cardin or Antico, but we do a hell of a lot of Cardin and Antico every month um, because that's what's specified by the loss adjuster or whenever. We try and sway them, but um, no, we we don't really have an argument for that. So we use furlong woods. They're really good. Uh, V4 woods, really good. Um, every now and then we give floor stock a call and we get a sample sent we we have to match the same width you know we're trying to match up other rooms so we try and get the width and the and the and the width uh width and the thickness the same so they're pretty cool at just going they've got abundance of samples and they will send me out the next day um like yeah um camaro we use camaro for polyfloor and we j2 flooring we've got their swatches as well we try and push and then without giving you secrets away because obviously i know you're in the insurance industry before if someone was listening to podcasts and thought you know i've done a few insurance jobs but how how are you getting in well yeah again without telling the secrets within reason how have you got in front of the right people in the insurance companies to get consistent work and good quality work from insurance companies that's a difficult one because i was in the industry and one of the contractors was the contractor I gave work to. So I already had a relationship built up with them and then and them using me as trust and it's just worked over the last few years. But it's a very ancestral business industry. Um because again, I'm I'm going from one company to another because that contracts manager or project manager is I, I've known for 10, 10 years. Um, and he just swaps businesses. So I just go, I build my business up based on him because I'm still with his old business, but then he moves off to another, another company and then wants to use me again. So now I've got a new client as well as the, my old client. So, um, I don't know how you, to answer your question is I don't know because these are guys I've known for 10 years plus. Well, I think the answer to the question is relationships. Yeah, I had a relationship. <laughs> There's the same guys, and they're about very close friends of mine now. So, um, but I never knocked on anyone's door and said, "Can I come and work for you?" That that's that never. It's always been, 
I see you're back in the flooring world. Do you want to? Do you want to take on some more work? So, so it's down to your network. I think that's yeah, massively powerful. Uh, it is, yeah. Love I that. Suppose once you're in, you're in, kind of thing. It does help. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I've I've had the same insurance broker. I think for 15 years, and I've had many people, you know, pitch me and ask me and this that, and the other. But again, they were at a certain big. Well, I think they're Aviva um, to start with, and then they went uh, went on their own. And yeah. you know, again, it's relationships, and every time it's for renewal, doesn't go to anyone else because we know if there's an issue, he's in the car, you know, and he's he's an hour and a half away from us. But we know we've got that support, and we always know he fights to get the right the right cover and the right deal. So it's the same same principle, but obviously it's yeah. work. If they know you're going to do it world-class job where they're not going to phone anyone else. So. And they know that, you know, they'll get a new instruction and we will, they will pass that information on through a phone call and email and we'll jump on it. So, you know, we're quite active on the work that they produce, give us. So um, they're not chasing us. They're not moaning at us. We're, you know, on time every time kind of thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and what flooring have you got fitted at home and did you fit <laughs> Yes. So we have solid oak herringbone with a double border, um, which I put down in 2017. We've got solid slate that's quite cottagey in the kitchen with underfloor heating that we don't put on because it's really expensive. <laughs> and then I have Modulio up in the bathroom and Hormar carpets on the in all the bedrooms. Stairs landing and in the snug. So, all, all done by you. You didn't acquire it. In 2007 when we, when we did the house up. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Love it. Um, if I gave you a thousand pound now, uh, we're at past 12, James, so um, you've got to spend it by five o'clock. What would you spend it on and why? Oh, that's a good one. Actually, there's a new coffee machine that I keep seeing on TikTok. It's about 650 quid. So I'd probably buy one of them, and so that that leaves me three fifty. Um, probably do a weekly shop. I know that sounds really boring, but I've got nothing in the fridge at the minute, so um, they might not be happy. <laughs> so you're gonna have some world class coffee, and everyone's gonna be fed. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. And like, that's the most boring answer, but that's kind of yeah. That's what I'd probably do. Hey, hey coffee's very important in the morning. It's uh, well, I need to well up until about two o'clock. I'll say. Uh, what what makes the coffee machine? Is it any sort of special thing, or is it uh, is it uh, what attracted you? It just looks a bit fancy pants. It's got like uh, I'm sure loads of people have seen it if they're on TikTok, but it, it grinds its own beans, um, and it's got a little milk section that warms it up and froths it and and stuff for you. I mean, I've got one already, but it's um, you want two in its own beans. Uh. <laughs> What what's it called? Just so I'm going to look this up now. Oh no, I think it's made by Philips. I, I think. So Philips is fifty quid. Oh, it looks man. really good. Right, I'm going to look this up because I'm a. I love a bit of coffee. Um, <laughs> I'll send you the link. <laughs> please do. Um, so if you could employ anyone um in the business um dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, any any person in the world, dead or yeah, alive. Yeah. Anyone you want. Albert Einstein. Maybe. That could be good, yeah. yeah. I'm sure he could add some value. Genius, yeah. He could open an account for you. <laughs> I'm sure he could. I'm sure if he rang one of the big boys and said, hey, can I have an account? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that question. That was such a hard question, that one. No, but, I'm sorry to tell you, but they're not going to get any easier. Um, so what is your least favorite part of your job or running your business right now? Uh, everything. <laughs> everything. <laughs> um, being the fitter, being the boss, being the admin, being the accounts department, being HR, being everything is is just difficult. Not having the right people in at the minute it is difficult. Um, as we're getting bigger and bigger, we've got the right accountancy company on, which is brilliant, very stress free. But um, yeah, it's, it's doing my day's work and then coming home to do the admin side is is quite tough. So, is the goal to get off the tools? Yes, I'd love to. Um, two years. I've given myself two years. If that happens, great. If it doesn't, it's not the end of the world. I'd still like to be on the tools part-time anyway. But yeah, as the business grows and we take on more clients and, and, and staff, which is really hard to get hold of, um, yeah, I'd love to just run the business as an operations director or whatever and, and build the business up as much as I can and, and run it. One thing that's worked for me significantly, rather than leaving it open-ended, set a date of when you'll be off the tools. Again, it's not to put you under pressure. It's not to say like, um, you know, but by setting that date, you then make decisions within the business. Will this take me away from this or take me, you know, take me away or take me closer to it? So if you said, right, I don't know, um, the 14th of November, 2025, mm. you know, and then, then every decision you make within the business come back to that date. That massively has helped me. If you leave it open-ended, you might get three years down the line. So I still haven't caught the details. I said I wasn't going to own that until he podcast with Tom. Um, so, well, as you get older, the body hurts more, the back, the knees. So, yeah, I'd like to be. Two years. Yeah, you're right, Tom. I'll, I'll put a date on it. Don't know when, but I'll put a date. <laughs> Christmas Day. 1st of January 2026. Is that, that yeah, is that, is that right? Is that too? Yeah. I think I, anyway, food for thought for you, food for thought. Mm -hmm. Um, if you could start the business all over again tomorrow, what are the three things you'd do differently? <laughs> um, quite a few, more than three, I'm sure. Um, it's set up in another country or something like that. Absolutely. Start again from scratch. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing drastically I would do different. I would, the first thing is is getting the right accountants in because I had a, a lovely lady from down the road and um, but she was an absolute nightmare and I'm sure we've nearly folded twice because of that. So now we've, got the right accountancy company in it's just they're so stress-free so that's definitely one i wouldn't change that so having the right accountants in place um that are proactive um knowing your finances as well um after speaking with sarah minor i don't know she talks about budgets and everything else i have no idea so to get a handle on that um would be well, when she does, that'd be great. And then I'll stay on top of it. So, yeah, staying on top of your, your finances and everything else. Yeah. Um, what would the third thing be? Getting the right staff is always always key. Getting the right people. 
Um, how have you found your guys? Obviously, you've not just you now. How, how have you recruited them, and how have you got the so right we, team behind you on the field? We, we, we've we've had some. I've had a couple of great guys, and I've had some lemons. But um, we've all had when I first started advertising, it was more of an, having an apprentice. Um, whether that was young or in their early twenties, um, we we went for a few. Some were good, some were bad. Um, and we had one really good one, Kieran, who decided he wanted to move to Wales. So selfish of him. So I was a bit gutted because we just expanded the business as well. So it came at a really bad time. But he moved on, and um, I still have moments. Uh, yeah, just we advertise, and it's trial and error, isn't it? We've got Ollie now. He's my two-year apprentice, but he's not really an apprentice anymore because he's off doing LVT and and you can leave him on the jobs and stuff. And then um, Peter, who is, uh, he deals with the sand inside of my business. He's my oldest friend. So he wanted a career change. He was in the security world and he wanted a change. Hated the corporate life. So I offered him an opportunity and he took it. And now he's just yeah. recruited Logan, who's his apprentice. So he's only been with us for about three or four months. So, so yeah. No, love that. Um, and but probably again a little bit of a selfish question, but I love to know feedback. So you're you've been on our course. You're a client mm. of Cockrell and Core. You had a bit of a um, I was going to not not traumatic, but you had a challenge and you booked for the summer and you couldn't come um, for yeah. you know, for uh, for family reasons. Um, then you jumped this next course that came along, you were you were there. Yeah. For someone that's um listens to the podcast, never been on Floor and Freedom, what would be your straight and honest and I'm not looking for you to blow smoke, but what attracted you to come on the course and then why would someone bother driving to Darlington and sit listening to me and Sarah for <laughs> two days? Um hospitality is amazing. So for for me it was always um you came at the right time. I I can't remember how I found you, probably through Instagram, Facebook, you know, the amount of marketing you guys do. But my wife always said to me, I needed a mentor. I needed someone to make that next step. And who do I speak to? Do I speak to uh, another shop that I, I do some work for? Or do I, who, who? They were just that. I You know, Kieran calls me and I help him on the technical side with screeds, primers and all that. I had no one to mentor me and to guide me and help me think about making that next step or to be able to talk to. I joined network groups, you know, the BNIs of this world and stuff, looking for the answer, but they just weren't there. They weren't the, they were generic. And then we saw you and then I showed my wife and she was like, you need to, you need to go on that course. Um, and then I had a great opportunity um, to go to Germany with KHR for the sand in uh, flying sand yeah. through the, the Lager factory and stuff. And I met um, Ben, must I say that? Yeah. Ben from Black Duck Flooring. And I mentioned that I was going on your course in July and he'd been on your course and he spoke very highly of it, which was great because still a bit worried I'm going on another networking course and you know is it just going to be a waste of time and money and stuff like that but he he 
sang your praises and and you've helped him so that helped me immensely so that was it yeah, I went on the course oh, I paid for the course and I think I paid for the private dinner as well the night before and then obviously I unfortunately my father-in-law took went to hospital the, the day that I was about to leave I was leaving within about 10 minutes to come up to Darlington and he was taken into hospital so um I had to be with my wife yeah and, and the family so um yeah um luckily I reached out to you guys and straight away to say I'm sorry I'm not going to be on the course and you guys put me on the next course which I'm very grateful for yeah, we, we had it all going on. We had uh, your father-in-law, um, obviously, and then straight after that, the um, Joe, the director of V4, blew his uh, brand new RS4 up. Um, I was a little bit more. I, just, I think Central, he was quite. No, come on, he was quite. He was quite traumatized by that. I'm sure, he was. Um, but yeah, I think there was someone else as well that you know something went drastically wrong. All trying to get to Darlington, but not really yeah. appreciate it coming. And um, exciting stuff for for Bennett Black Duck. Who, who works with us, um, he's now been put, we run a, a mindset course in March. He's now been put on the instruction team for that. Not has nothing to do with flooring. It's a bit SES, who dares wins, but he's just agreed to be part of the full instruction team. So that's going to be uh, interesting for the guys. It's fully booked um, in March. Um, so that'll be uh, coming out on social media. The Ben's, Ben's coming up to have a, Obviously, Ben's done the course on that that course, which is separate to the one we're talking about. But yeah, yeah, he, that earlier this year, and the the only thing that pre qualifies you to become uh, an instructor on that is you have to do it yourself. So he's uh, rubbing his hands together for that. So I spoke to him last night. <laughs> Love it. Um, so three people, um, James, you'd like to have a pint with, dead or alive, uh, and you can't have Albert Einstein. No, I mean, that was a silly answer, to be honest. I'm sure I could think of a hell of a lot more people than Albert Einstein. Three people, dead or alive, I'd like to have a pint with. I'd like to have a pint with Mickey Flanagan. I saw him at the O2 this year, and he was funny. And he's just one of the comedians I, I really find hilarious. Do you know what? If I sat and thought about this, it would probably be a hell of a lot easier. But being put on the spot is quite, <laughs> quite difficult. And I've listened to the podcasts. You so knew they were coming. Yeah, I should have should have um yeah, should have anticipated that question. But um yeah, so many people come and gone, haven't they? So I'd like to have a pint with Mike Tyson, to be fair. Because he's he's I, I like boxing, I like boxing a lot. Yeah. Um and he's he's come quite quite a long way from where he was in the eighties and nineties to how mellow he is now. But yeah, I'd quite like I'm sure he's an interesting guy. And then my last one will probably be a rugby player. Um probably Johnny Wilkinson or Loris Delalio or Martin Johnson, one of those old World Cup winners from two thousand and three. Um yeah, I'd probably have a pint with them. Love it, love it. And do you think um, Mike Tyson will ever um, fight uh, John Fury? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not going to hurt their hips. It's starting to get a bit out of control. All these, uh, I, I'm not like an absolute diehard uh, boxing fan, but I do I do like it. But there seems to be all of YouTube and this and that. that I don't know if they're classed them as proper boxers, but uh, 
They are. I, I don't class them as proper boxers. No, no. It's, uh, but I'm a fan of uh, Tyson Fury. I think he's... He's I like Tyson Fury. I think he's a bit, out bit there, more yeah. mouth, really, sometimes. I think he, on social media and stuff. But, um, yeah, I'm sure he's a really nice guy. I follow him on the boxing. I hope he always wins, you know. So No one stopped him yet. That's the thing. So it's, uh, not yet. Not, not yet. yet. No one does. So. It'll, it'll, it'll come. Um, and how do you, with still being on the tools, James, and um, and being the marketing department, being the sales department, etc. Uh, how do you start your day to get the best out of you and your team? Apart from excellent coffee, going in grumpy. Um, I don't really. I don't. I don't really have a, a thing. Um, I, obviously, I get up. I I walk the dog in the dark around the fields. Um, try and get that mindset. I'm not one of these that rolls out of bed and straight into the van. I I can't do that. I like to sort of chill out in the morning and have my cup of tea and my porridge um, and walk the dog. Um, but as soon as I'm in the van, I try and be as chirpy as possible. You know, I try and be interested in what they were doing the night before or, or at the weekend. And, you know, if Ollie's done a private job at the weekend, he's showing me pictures, you know, and I'm trying to, you know, tell him it's looks really good because it does. Yeah. Um, I just try and try and be positive in the mornings as much as I can till I get to the job. <laughs> and then it all goes wrong. Yeah, and then it all goes tits up. I like that. I like that to stay positive. Um and the uh penultimate question, uh, which is always the hard one, um, James, what's holding you back? So much. So much is holding me back. Staffing, staffing issues, fit trying to find fitters, trying to find admin. And what could you do to to remedy that? Well, we advertise, and again, we get some lemons, and we get some great guys. But it's just trying to find the right people. It's the right time, right place, like everything. Um, everything happens for a reason. Uh, I'm a great believer of. So, next year when we um, when we got the keys, we will be looking for another fitter, uh, whether that's an LVT fitter or someone that knows like we do we're wood floor specialists so um a wood floor fitter that would that would really help me out right now so yeah so if anyone's in the in uh, your neck of the woods that's listening to the podcast that fancies a change that is working for someone else it could be a could be an opportunity all in the network absolutely brilliant James well thank you for coming on the podcast uh where will people find you lurking on social medias if you what what accounts have you got we are everywhere so we are Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. You're strong on LinkedIn as well. Oh, LinkedIn, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I always forget about that one. Yeah. Yeah, LinkedIn. I always spot you on LinkedIn. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, I'm yeah. set up a business LinkedIn yet, which I should do because I know you said about it. Um, it's just finding the time, 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 isn't it? But yeah. Time. Love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I know, I know you were a little bit nervous, but I think it was a brilliant podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tom. If you'd like to find out more information about what we do, you can visit our website at cockerellandco.co.uk. That's cockerellandco.co.uk. We also have an Instagram account, which is cockerellandco, and also we are on Facebook. Once again, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, and we look forward to seeing you here again soon.